Hey everyone, welcome to episode nine of the Bikita podcast. Thanks for joining us last week where we talked about two executive orders, one mandating mask wearing in all federal buildings and on public lands. And the second one was to protect worker health and safety from COVID-19. On this episode, we'll be talking about a liquid nitrogen leak that resulted in the killing of six people. And then the second one is discussing another executive order, protecting public health and the environment and restoring science to tackle the climate crisis. So to kick it off, we will start off with the first article. Let's do it. Yeah, sadly, there was an accident in Georgia, uh, in Gainesville, Georgia, at a food packing plant that resulted in the deaths of six workers, hospitalized three others in critical condition. Um, and the injuries, so they, they're, it's all under investigation with the injuries, it was, they were told that are all related to respiration. So they're all breathing related, likely asphy asphyxiation. Um, there are many, many other people experienced medical emergencies around the facility. So around 10 a.m. on the day of the accident, the emergency responders got a call and they were called for uh, a report of burns. Um, one of their VPs, Nicholas Ancrum, said preliminary indications are that a liquid nitrogen line ruptured inside the facility. So in total, 12 people were, were initially hospitalized. One person died uh, at the hospital. Three people were treated and released. Three people were in critical condition and five others were in fair condition. One firefighter uh, was hospitalized, but it's expected to make a complete recovery. And then also according to uh, the company representative, those that died included a maintenance person, a supervisor person and um, management team members. Um, so sadly, uh, well, it's under investigation. So they, they released the names. Uh, you can see them on the link. The, uh, the facility itself processes chicken products. Uh, it was just uh, acquired by Foundation Food Group on January 1st. There were reports that there was an explosion involved in this, which is not true. I, apparently it's just a, a line that leaked. Uh, it, it was reported that the cause of the leak, which is not immediately, which was not immediately known was under investigation by the Hall County Sheriff's Office, the State Fire Marshal and, and OSHA. Uh, but they were saying a line ruptured. And, and on another article related to, to this, there were, they were talking about uh, witness, uh, what witnesses re reported and witnesses from businesses across the street were talking about seeing folks come out, passing out onto the lawn, come out coughing, having a hard time breathing. So it sounds like to me that uh, people were uh, exposed to an oxygen deficient atmosphere. Sadly, six people died. It's, it's pretty horrible. So um, that's the gist of that, of that article. Uh, so. I'm sure they're gonna have some emergency protocol in place for liquid nitrogen leaks in the future. Well, right, when you have gases that can asphyxiate, you should always have some sort of a, of a response plan in place. Um, a lot of places put in gas monitoring devices and who knows, maybe this place had that. I mean, it, uh, 
uh, or you know lines run through different spaces I don't who knows how the place was constructed it may have leaked in a some interstitial space what went undetected and somehow filled up a, a room I, I, oh that'd be that'd be crazy the two there have been a couple of clients that I've been to who have like or who use night liquid nitrogen and they had gas monitors in the rooms but yeah if it, I guess if it leaks somewhere else or you know through a line it might go undetected those things are pretty loud too there's supposed to be it depends on the gas depends on like the what the process is but there's supposed to be monitoring maybe not just in the room where people might use it it, and it kind of depends, like lots of companies do it differently. They have internal standards that might require them to do, have more monitoring or their own hazard assessments might tell them that they need to put an extra monitoring because of a certain part of the process. But gases can be scary because they're, they're invisible. They, they don't have to be toxic or flammable or corrosive to hurt you. You know, you know they just have to displace oxygen and, and you might not know it. So you get overwhelmed really fast. And they might not even have an odor, so you won't even know it's there. Yeah, with CO2, it, apparently you just kind of pass out. Like, it's not like a, you just kind of get lightheaded and pass out, apparently. Yeah, I mean, you don't, you don't think there's much of a concern with liquid nitrogen. I mean, it's rather innocuous, so. Yeah, not CO2, sorry, liquid nitrogen, right. But I mean, nitrogen itself is, is toxic. So if there's any scuba divers out there, when you go scuba diving, one of the reasons why you have to, you can't stay down for forever and you have to come up in a controlled manner is because nitrogen dissolves into your blood. And one of the, besides getting the bends, if you come up too fast, if you have too much nitrogen in your blood, you get nitrogen nar narcosis. So, um, So it is toxic, though I think it makes you pass out and die from asphyxiation before toxicity gets you. So I, I think I told you guys a story once. I had a place I used to work at. Uh, I had a, not a similar incident. Nobody got hurt in what I'm about to tell you, but it was still scary is that we were using dry ice to relocate some materials out of a freezer. and. We packaged up a bunch of things with dry ice in this in this freezer. It was a walk-in freezer at, at a, this company we were helping. And then we decided not to move this stuff because we weren't prepared. So we just left all the dry ice in the walk-in freezer. And I didn't go back the next day, but two of my coworkers, good friends, they went back and they went. And I didn't realize that dry ice releases CO2. And so leaving it in a freezer room is a bad idea because you can fill up the room with CO2 and then this asphyxiate somebody when they walk in. And my friends walked into that dry, that room that had the dry ice in it all night long. And thankfully they didn't, nothing happened, but they told me that they got super lightheaded and didn't know what was going on. And then they kind of like got a little giddy and like left. Um, yes which was scary to me after the fact. I was like, oh my God, what if you guys had fallen over inside the room and like couldn't have gotten up? 
so that was a good lesson that I learned. Don't put dry ice, dry ice. If you work in EHS or around chemicals, you should know that dry ice uh, expands and uh, off gases CO2. At the time, I didn't know. I think I was a year in after, out of college. Yeah, it's no joke. So, anyways, there was actually one other. Did you have you guys ever heard of a CO2 burp? No. It's not from drinking soda. Well, tell us more. Well, the, the earth burps CO2 from time to time from volcanic activity. And so they suspect a CO2 burp or release is what ended the last ice age. But there was in 1986, there was a CO2 burp out of a lake in Africa, this like small lake and the um and the surround so about they they estimate between 300,000 and 1.6 million metric tons of co2 was released out of this this lake which was like in the bed of a volcano so it was like a volcano mouth that filled with the lake but there was communities around around it and it happened at night and so they're saying they said a 25 kilometer radius was blanketed in CO2 and killed like everything. What? Not literally, like some people survived, but it yeah, killed, yeah, yeah. they said it killed about 1700 people, 3,500 livestock. They said that even bugs like flies and, and other things were found like dead all over the place. And that much CO2 was 50 meters deep um, covering seems scary just something I, I learned thought i would share it so how how large of a distance did it cover 25 kilometers it's about 16 mile radius yeah that's crazy that's a long that's a lot of co2 I mean, yeah and there's other stories of similar stuff but i think that's like the worst one but yeah, gases can sneak up on you. The facility was not a dangerous facility, apparently. Like everybody, you know, goes goes into work thinking it's just going to be another normal day. You know, but this particular place that packages meat has some liquid nitrogen. Another reason to go vegan. <laughs> I'm sure vegan processing facilities still use... Horrible. Yeah, they're all, you know, just getting covered in their patchouli oil. <laughs> I don't know. Every facility has their, what's it called? Their risks. It's, it's not any different. It's all relative. I mean, I, there are chemicals everywhere. And they're all bad, right? It just depends. Uh, like if you just get exposed the wrong way that something bad could happen to you. I mean, if things kept like starting a fire, like lots of things can start a fire. It doesn't take a whole lot, but a fire can be devastating. You know, it doesn't take a lot of gas to, to asphyxiate somebody. Um, so you don't have to be a huge manufacturing facility to have life-threatening hazards around. Not to mention, you know, mechanical stuff and electrical stuff and all that.
it's everywhere. Yeah. All right, cool. All right. Next article. Well, executive order. Oh, it's a it's a doozy. It's a doozy. I, I don't I don't know that we have the time to to cover everything in this one. Um, but the Biden administration put out an executive order to protect public health and the environment, restoring science science to tackle the climate crisis. So uh, I'm just going to take a minute and read their policy stance here. And the administration says that it's the policy of the administration to listen to the science, to improve public health and protect our environment to ensure access to clean air, water, limit exposure to dangerous chemicals and pesticides, to halt polluters, hold polluters accountable, including those who disproportionately harm communities of color and low-income communities, to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, bolster resilience to the impacts of climate change, to restore and expand our national treasures, monuments, and to prioritize both environmental just, justice and the creation of well-paying union jobs necessary to deliver on these goals. So it's rather expansive in terms of some of the items that they're addressing as part of this executive order. And, you know, quite, quite a few of the items in here um, are asking for a review of some of the orders or policies that were implemented over the, the past four years. Uh, specifically, one of the sections in the in the executive order asks for a review of any agency actions taken between January 20th, 2017 and January 20th of 2021. So uh, with that, all agencies are directed to review their policies and regulations that were adopted and flag any uh, policies that may be inconsistent with the policies of this executive order. So in particular, the head of the responsible agencies for a few particular rules, um, which are reducing methane emissions in the oil and gas sector, uh, establishing ambitious job creating fuel economy standards. Uh, so this is uh, fuel efficiency for vehicles job creating appliance and building efficiency standards and protecting our air from harmful pollution. So the national emission standards for hazardous air pollutants uh, specific to coal and oil fired uh, plants in the US. And you know it also directs the EPA administrator to propose new regulations for methane and VOC emissions from the oil and gas sector and proposes a uh, federal implement, implementation plan in accordance with the EPA's findings for state failures uh, to submit a state implementation plan in response to the oil and gas industry guidelines of 2008. So, um, the states were supposed to submit plans to address emission standards for oil and gas facilities and um, states may have done that, but they didn't submit to the EPA what their plan was. 
Uh, then we have section three, which is restoring national, national monuments. So they are directing the Secretary of the Interior to review changes made to monument boundaries, uh, which includes Bears Ear National Monument, Grand Staircase, Escalante, the Northeast Canyons, and Seamount or Seamount Marine National Monuments. So the, the borders of those national monuments were changed and in you know many instances like shrunken down to, to make them more accessible. For like like mining and oil gas stuff, right? Yeah, I mean a lot of this goes to, you know, harnessing resources. So whether it's, you know, opening areas up for oil and gas drilling or mining or anything like that, um, you can really do that with a, uh, a protected area. So they kind of shifted the boundaries on that stuff uh, during the last administration. So the Biden administration is asking for review on all those boundary changes. And if it's, if it uh, is inconsistent with uh, what this administration is planning, they, they are asking for a review of that. Section four, which has to do with the Arctic refuge. So it places a temporary moratorium on all activities associated with the coastal plain oil and gas leasing program in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. And the Secretary of the Interior has to complete a comprehensive review of any of the potential impacts of the oil and gas program there. And it also reinstates presidential memorandums that withdraws uh, certain offshore areas in the Arctic waters and the Bering Sea from oil and gas drilling. So, you know, there are permits and leases that were given um, and then the oil and gas industry, you know, was essentially uh, allowed to identify areas where they can do oil explore, exploration in the Arctic and this kind of rescinds some of that. Section five was account. Uh, so this one was a little, a little interesting because they're looking to, this one was a little, a little interesting because they're looking to quantify the the impacts of um, of greenhouse gases. So you know, carbon uh, carbon gases, nitrous oxide, and methane. They're establishing a standard to you know, like what the what the social impact of these gases have on the on the climate, and they're trying to to monetize whether uh, those gases are increasing, like the effect that it's gonna have on the global climate. So that way they can try and uh, baseline, okay, if you're reducing gas emissions, like what's the, what's the cost to do that? Or if you're increasing gas emissions, what's the cost of that? One of the, probably the, the best way to combat climate change is to make moving like technologies uh, into being more efficient based on a business plan that, that makes sense. So like, if you know it costs more to use carbon uh, utilizing equipment for whatever reason, then you would shift just logically the other way. But if there's no data, you can't make that type of a shift. I know there's software programs that help you figure that type of stuff out. Because when I did my 
when I did my master's um, at Harvard, I, my, my project was about analyzing a waste process. And I used a life cycle assessment tool where you plug in all your inputs and then you tell them what processes are like you're running through it and it spits out your outputs and tells you whether it's, um, whether it's beneficial or not, like as far as uh, like carbon emissions go. So um, like, I know there's ways to, to, to measure it. I think it's very important. Gotta make yeah, it, you can't, you can't go at all, especially in America for whatever reason, you can't convince people by making them, you know, cry about the environment. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it like working, making decisions just on feelings is, is pretty hard for businesses to do. So if it's, if these decisions are based in some sort of like measurable uh, data, which, you know, they're establishing, you know, as part of this section in this executive order, they're establishing like a multidisciplinary work group. You know, so it's not just people from the APA, it's not just, you know, um, you know, from some of the other departments, you know, you have a multifaceted group that's looking at, you know, these greenhouse gases and how, you know, like, like, like what the cost of being like an emitter is, right? Because, you know, it maybe doesn't mean a lot for like the oil and gas industry, but you know, you may have like a different sector in the economy that because of this, you know, the healthcare industry dealing with people who there's an in increased risk of asthma, right? So you have healthcare institutions that are having to deal more with like these issues that arise from living next to like a coal fire plant. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a good thing. It'll be interesting to see how they are assigning values to these emissions and, you know, what they end up doing with it down the road. There needs to be a cost. There needs to be a cost to the end of life of things. Like, and there isn't, right? Like, that's one of the problems. We're so, it's so easy to waste things because you don't worry about the, the environmental effects of it or like the cost of, of disposing of it the right way. Um, there's no cost for any of that. So we just keep making and making more stuff, extracting more stuff. It's not any more expensive. We just better to sometimes like it's cheaper to use raw materials that are pure than to like recycle them. You know, like there's no, there's no cost to actual waste of all this stuff. Um, the cost is borne by citizens and countries. And now we're all going through climate change. Like that's the cost we bear. And yeah, and people are usually living in the, the here and now. And, you know, I think most people don't, I, people say that they think about the future, but they're, I don't think they're really concerned about the future because it's so, you know, so far down the line, most people are concerned with, you know, how's this going to impact me today? Right. Individuals are like that, but I think we're doing better as far as bigger companies trying to reduce their carbon footprint because I know like that's, that's a big part of people's uh, plans and their company, you know, like to save the company money and to be more eco-friendly, uh, getting their resources from sustainable manufacturers and places, and then their product becomes more sustainable. And hopefully more companies and individuals start doing that. And slowly the, the companies who aren't as sustainable will phase out.
hopefully. I mean, that's the goal, right? The reason why you see big companies doing it, not only is it, is it if you get it right, is it better for the bottom line, but it's a big public, um, it's a big PR thing. Like, not only is it a good idea to just do it, everybody sees that you're doing it, or if they see mm-hmm. you're not doing it, that harms your, your company. Right. Your brand. Oh, yeah, I think it was General Motors, I think, in the last like week or so, basically said that their entire like vehicle fleet is going to be electric or like electric based by, um, I think it was like in the next like 10, 15 years or something like that. I'd, I'd have to look up the specifics. But, you know, when you have an industry that historically has leaned on the oil and gas industry, basically saying, you know, we're moving in a different direction as we go, you know, is, is I think a big step. And then section six of the executive order was uh, the administration revoking the permit for the Keystone XL pipeline. And, you know, essentially what they had said was that they deemed that the permit would not serve the US national interest because the US must prioritize the development of a clean energy economy. So, I mean, these are, there's like, you know, some other items to the executive order, but those are some of the the larger ones. Um, There's other things that were rescinded uh, which were implemented during the last administration uh, through this executive order. But these are all pretty big sweeping changes here that they're trying to address with this one. Yeah, the, I mean, one of the executive orders is related to the Waters of the U.S. article or uh, topic we talked about a few days ago or a few episodes ago. So maybe that whole definition thing is we had a whole show about it and now it's <laughs> not matter. Maybe they changed it because we talked about it. Yes, we did it. We hit it, we did it. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I can, I mean, there, there's <laughs> there's definitely gonna be some people upset with, uh, you know, some of the, the things in the executive order, but you know, on the other side of the coin, you know, there are definitely people who have been waiting for some some movement on climate change, which I think will be, you know, somewhat happy that we're making moves in that direction. All of us safety people know you can't make everybody happy. And you do something that is based on science and on data, you, you take actions to protect other people and save the company money, and still people don't like you for whatever reason. So we've all learned that. For the kids. Boo hoo. I mean, tell me what your issues are. Sometimes I'm wrong. So maybe there's a different way to do it. But also not everyone's going to be happy. I'm happy though. We're doing our best. We're doing our best. I'm happy. That's it for me there. Cool. Great job. Excellent. All right, just to recap, we talked about the liquid nitrogen leak in Georgia, and then we reviewed an executive order covering protecting public health and the environment. So that's it. 
look forward to our next episode. Who knows what we'll talk about, but you can head over to our website at bikita.org, subscribe to our mailing list for all the latest news updates. Thanks, folks. Bye-bye. Be safe. Bye-bye.